today it's interesting, but we're, you know, Sunday lands on Halloween this year. So uh, interestingly, it works out that I'm going to speak a message to you entitled Light in the Darkness. And um, I, I read this story about uh, a desert nomad. He woke up in the night in his tent and um, was hungry. So he lit a candle, reached over, had a bowl of dates beside his cot, and, um, and he took a bite of the first date. And in doing so, he then realized there was a worm in it. And so he threw it outside the tent and just got past it and was still hungry. So he reached over and grabbed a second date. And when he took a bite of that date, he realized there was a worm in that one too. So he began to kind of put it in his mind that he was going to go hungry if, at this rate if he kept this up. So rather than go hungry, he blew out the candle and laid there in darkness and ate the dates all real fast out of the bowl. Worms or no. Some people just prefer the darkness. Some people just prefer. You have to understand that light and darkness have the same origin as the words knowledge and ignorance. My people are perished. My, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge, because of that ignorance. And so what we want to do is understand what it means to be enlightened, people of light, the light of Christ, the light of his truth, the light of his love, the light of his presence. Some people just prefer darkness because in the light they see too much. But I just want to say we were all born for more than that. Arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. It's amazing, but God's light within you will attract a world filled with darkness to release a supernatural transformation in the lives of people around you. God's doing a work in you, not just to transform your life. Thank God. How many have been transformed by the presence and the power of God Almighty? Aren't you thankful? But he didn't do that just to reach you. He did that to mobilize you as one of the warriors that are now remaining in the earth to carry the, the power and declaration of, of his kingdom that actually can transform every situation ever touched. There is no situation that is too great for God to actually reach into. There's some really desperate situations that we've watched over the years and God completely redeem, restore, replenish, turn around. Just phenomenal to see God do that. You know, we focus, when you walk out those doors, you see the, the wall. We focus this year for the 2021 New Year's Revelation is um, lift up your heads, O ye gates. We are the gates. That's our focal point. We are the gates. We say, God, open the gates but he actually says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the king of glory may come in, in Psalms 24, 7. What that means is we're many times waiting on God. And how many you know many times he's waiting on us? And so what we have to do is learn to cooperate with what he's desiring to reveal in the earth, to be mobilized, inspired, but more than inspired, to be truly empowered. Because the problem in our world, this is such an important 
uh, idea for us to camp around. It's something we've talked about for years. But the problem in our world is not the abundance of darkness. The problem in our world is the absence of light. In this room, it was completely dark before they turned the lights on. And when they turned the lights on, there wasn't a big struggle between light and darkness. Simply the lights came on and the darkness had to go. That's just the way this thing works in the spirit realm as well as the natural. So when you and I become who God's called us to become, we really step into, the Bible says, all creation awaits with eager expectation for the sons and daughters to be revealed, for us to be awakened to the purposes of God. And then suddenly the earth around us begins to be transformed. How many of you ever just asked the Lord, God, would you change my situation? God, would you transform my circumstance? Lord, would you just take this situation and change it? And God didn't change your circumstance, but rather he began to change you because you actually have the power to change the climate and the atmosphere around you no matter what that may be going on in your life. That's the way this thing works. God is awakening and activating his sons and daughters in the earth. The problem in the world is not the abundance of darkness. The problem is the absence of light. In fact, scripture says this over and over and over. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, one of the most famous verses of scripture to point to this. If my people who are called by my name who? My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. I am weary with all of the political arguments. I am weary with all the sociological arguments. I am weary with everybody trying to blame somebody else. Especially I am weary with the church blaming the lost world for being lost. The Bible doesn't say the lost world is the problem. The Bible actually says it's the church that is the problem. And if we get in alignment with our assignment, suddenly the atmosphere of our nation begins to change. I know it may not be popular for me to stand up here and say what I'm saying, but it's the absolute truth according to the Word of God. We need to stop complaining. We need to stop complaining about what we don't like and start being a solution to everything that is within our reach. And we see this again, just reiterated over and over. In Jonah's day, there was this incredible, uh, horrific place called Nineveh. This is the capital city of of paganism. They filleted humans uh, publicly that would ever violate them. I mean, awful, awful, atrocious things took place in Nineveh. And God suddenly comes to Jonah, and he says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And what did Jonah do? He went the other way. He didn't go to Nineveh. Nineveh was dealing with all kinds of stuff. And he said, I didn't want to have any part of that. And then he goes over and he gets on a boat. Have you ever noticed this? Again, I'm going to shake your, some of your, uh, maybe po- your politics today just a little bit. But he gets on this boat and suddenly what happens according to the Bible, a storm descends on the earth and, and it's all, you know, everything is in disruption and upheaval. There was a storm that came to the earth. And why did the storm come to the earth? Because Nineveh was so bad? No, because Jonah was out of alignment with his assignment. So the storm descended on the earth. I wonder why there may be storms descending in the land, and maybe it's not because Nineveh is so bad, but maybe it's because the church hasn't really discovered what it is to be in alignment with their assignment, because when Jonah woke up spiritually to what God had asked him to do, the capital city of paganism turned in one single day. Everything shifted and revival broke out. I just say today, the problem with our world is not the abundance of darkness. The problem is the absence of light. Why don't we hit 
kiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands and declare that we, the church, are waking up to the purposes of God beyond our understanding and comprehension. In the mighty name of Jesus, use us, O God, to impact a spiritual climate that is the foundation of transformation that takes place in our world. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. Aren't you glad Jesus is the light of the world? That's John chapter 8. But Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Isn't that interesting that you're the light of the world, but Jesus is the light of the world. And I love this because Jesus is the light. And you and I, you, you, might, you might get this wrong if you're not careful. You and I can kind of resolve within our own minds that we become reflectors of the light of Christ. You are not a reflector of the light of Christ. He said you are the light of the world. That means you are a carrier of the actual light of Christ. He has placed that within you. And the more you're willing to die to yourself, the more he's able to live through your surrendered available life. But you must die. We don't want to try and help you live religiously. We want to try and help you die personally so that his power can be demonstrated through your life. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ contrary to the common western teaching of of Christianity today. It's time for the church to wake up and be everything God's called us to be and watch what happens in the spiritual realm around us. People that are violently opposed to the agenda of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, if they turn and their hearts turn, then we're no longer fighting against them politically, but they're actually stepping into a place of saying, let's surrender and humble ourselves to the heart of God. This happened with the Jews when they were being killed by a guy named Saul. And God reached Saul and challenged him and and converted him. Literally, he surrendered to Christ and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because God captured his heart. What can God do if we're willing to truly allow him to live through our willing death? I want you to to think light in the darkness. Light in the darkness. I want you to think about this. I'm going to read a few passages out of Job. Most people avoid the book of Job. But there's just so much profound revelation. And I want you to think of it. I wish I'd read it without telling you where it was, <laughs> because we have context, don't we? All of a sudden, everybody's processing his story. But I want you just to hear the heart of God being revealed in this. Job 29, 3 to 6. When his lamp shone over my head, when God's light came on in my life, when his lamp shone over my head, and by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the prime of my days, when the friendship of God was over my tent. Is this beautiful? I love this portion of scripture. The light of God is over me. The friendship of God exists within me. It's over my tent, over my dwelling, over my family, over my household. Verse five, when the Almighty was yet with me and my children were around me, when my steps were bathed in butter. What? When my steps were bathed in butter. Would everybody say that with me, please? When my steps were bathed with butter. Have you ever read your Bible and you just thought, what in the world is this talking about? When my steps were bathed with butter and the rock poured out for me streams of oil. Now, I want you to think about this because this is a, 
This is a symbolic expression of something profound and significant about the way you and I walk as light in the place of darkness. The light of God shines over us. Friendship with God is established in our dwelling place. And then our steps become bathed in butter. And what we see when, when, uh, when, when the Bible talks about Aaron being anointed with oil, Aaron stands and oil is poured over his head. And what does the Bible say? That the oil that runs down Aaron's beard runs down his garments. You understand when they were finished, there was a whole puddle of oil around Aaron. And as Aaron then would start to step out of that puddle, everywhere he would go, as long as the residual of that oil remained on his feet, it was leaving footprints everywhere he would go. When you and I get under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, our steps are bathed with butter. Literally, the fragrance of God goes with us everywhere we go. Not only do we go and bear the fragrance of God, but the residual of God's kingdom begins to be left in the places where we have stepped. That's why the Bible says everywhere you place your foot, there'll be possession taking place because God is serving. Notice in that moment in time, come on, you're the church. We're the hope that God has in the earth. You've got to understand that. We're hoping Jesus will reach our family, and Jesus is hoping we will reach our family. Are you praying for people that need to know his love and his life, or are you just going through the motion of being Christians in the world in which we live? Have you really taken time to fast and pray? When I became a Christian, I was later in life, and, and my mom and I started talking about, I mean, is there any way God could reach my dad? you got to understand, I had watched my dad my whole life, and, and I had my doubts. Could God reach him? I mean, we were going to pray, but I didn't know if God could cast the man out of that demon type of thing. I mean, that's where I was with it. And we just begin to say, Lord, would you just capture his heart? Would you do something in his life? And we just decided we're going to fast and pray for him every Friday. We didn't even live in the same city. But come on, we were in the same kingdom. We began to fast and pray every Friday. And something of the foundation of his obstinance began to be eroded. And God began to enter into his life. And there began to be a softening to his heart and an awakening to who he was. And he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that we serve the Lord our God today together. God can reach you and your family. God can reach you and your family. It's a promise that we find in the Lord. Don't negotiate family members with the enemy. Don't say, well, I'll take most of them. At least I got most of them. No, I say all of them are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus' mighty name. Light in darkness. What is it like to live a life that is truly inspired by God? Inspiration, the word inspiration means breathed into. That's the word, it breaks down. Inspire is to breathe into. So let's look back at Job a few chapters after that, chapter 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me There's light over me. There's friendship with God in my tent. I know my creator, God, who made me, and it is his breath that gives me life. God breathing into me. What is it like to live a life that is inspired by God? What is it like to wake up every day and experience the breath of God? I mean, do you understand? That's the origin of where we came from. 
If you want to nourish your body, then you must nourish your body with that which is the origin of your body. Your body came from dirt. Remember, we talked this last week. Uh, the, the devil was cursed to crawl on his belly and eat dust. So our flesh is devil food. Our body came from dirt. Our body came from the dust of the earth. The origin of our body is dust. Therefore, if you want to nourish your body, you have to go back to the origin of its existence and you have to find those plants in the, in the dirt that will actually nourish your body. That's why you're only one generation away from from plants when you eat meat because you don't eat meat-eating animals. You eat plant-eating animals because they then carry the nourishment from the ground, the origin from which you came. Do you understand what I'm saying about your spirit? You actually have a spirit that's in you that came by the breath of God. He breathed into you life. Therefore, when you get into the Word and you get into a place of prayer and we show up here to church and we're singing our songs and we're digging into the Word together, we have have to have the breath of God blowing on what we're doing or this just all becomes stale existence and religion. Genesis 2-7, God breathed the breath of life into the man. Air is to the body what prayer is to the spirit. Pray without ceasing, the same way you breathe. Air is to the body. The body is sustained by air the way the spirit is sustained by prayer. There are some Christians in our world that are spiritually suffocating. They're merely existing, not truly living. And God is trying to awaken where we learn what it is to live our lives in such a way that we allow God to breathe into us and awaken and activate the gifts that exist within us that we might be the light in a dark world where we walk around. And like Smith Wigglesworth stepping onto a streetcar and people on the streetcar, he never said a word, but because he carried the presence of God in such a profound way, he just stood on the streetcar and people in the streetcar started to weep and cry under the presence of God, not knowing what was going on. He was able to Lead them to Jesus because the presence of God that they were encountering opened their heart to something beyond what they could comprehend. Just breathe. I want you to listen to the sound of your breath. Breathe a little heavier. Just listen to it. I found something really interesting this week. Many Hebrew scholars teach. Hebrew scholars teach. The name of God, Yahweh, is the sound of breath. You've probably seen, if you've ever watched any writings of Hebrew scholars, they'll leave out a letter anytime they write the name of God. <laughs> because in their view, his name is too sacred to pronounce. I want you to put all this together. Because <laughs> on one hand, his name is so sacred 
Many won't pronounce it. On the other hand, it's whispered by every breath we take. God's name is the first word we speak with the first breath we take. God's name will be the last word we speak with the last breath we take and every breath in between. This is our design from our creator God who has created us to know him, to breathe in something that he exhales to awaken and activate things within us that are beyond our wildest imagination. I want to ask the worship team to come. When you choose to live a life that's inspired by God, you awaken your destiny. And the world is waiting for your destiny to be awakened. The world is waiting for you to figure out who he designed you to be. Your job is what you're paid to do. Your work is what you're born to do. And so many people, particularly in our society, have given ourselves just whole, just completely to the consumeristic uh, angle of society that all we know is the, is the job that we do to make money. Your job is what you're paid to do. But the question is, what were you born to do? He, he, he created within you these abilities. He who began a good work within you. There's a reason that you exist. I, I had a conversation with somebody just last week. I mean... One of the wealthiest people I've ever uh, had a conversation with. And he actually said, we go to church, but, you know, it's, it's like anything else. You, you got to devote energy and time to something. And, and, you know, got this business going and keeps spinning up other businesses. And, and I just got to decide where to invest my time. And he said, you get it, don't you, Pastor? I said, oh, I get it. But I said, the question is simply this. Where is the eternal value in everything that you're giving your life to build while you're living this temporal life on this earth? Let me ask you that. Where is the eternal value in what you're doing in your life? Are you living a life that's inspired by God? That your life then becomes an inspiration, a literal inspiration from God into the lives of those around you. Come on, let's stand our feet. Let's just invite him to breathe into us some things that he might want to be breathing into us in these moments together. I want to ask you this week to purpose some sacrificial devotion to experiencing the heart of God every day. I, I just have to say, um, I'm reluctant to say things like this at times just because it can come across wrong. But I feel like, you know, this sort of thing's been modeled for me, and it's why I understand it. And so I want to bring it in that spirit. This week, just a couple of times I woke up, and I just, I just, I mean, I, I've got my rhythm. I, I'm really faithful to turn the page. I, I hope that you do that. This is, a, this is a treasure to us as a family. Get an old-fashioned Bible. Start in the book of Genesis every day. Write the date at the top of the page. Anything that the Lord highlights, underline, and commemorate child's first steps, whatever it may be, played golf 
today, did well, whatever. Just little notes throughout your Bibles. Just keep reading through. And when you don't understand, you're nourishing your spirit, allowing God to breathe into you. At the conclusion of that, just be about two and a half years, if you do that every day, you'll have a beautiful heirloom to give to your children. I mean, I, I preach this all the time. You, if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me say that so much. You've memorized it, and you can say it. Turn the page isn't God. And I don't want to talk anybody into just reading the Bible. I want you to learn to sit with the author. But getting with the Scripture... <laughs> opens the doorway for a greater conversation and interaction with the author. And that's where it begins. And I'm I'm saying that to say, this week, I just, I was doing the stuff and and I just, I had a hard, one one of the days particularly, I just had a hard day. I just, I got up and I literally said out loud to the Lord, which I don't remember, it's been years since I have said this to him, but I literally said out loud to the Lord, I'm going to do it, but I'm just not feeling it. Anyone ever been there before? (laughs) I'm going to do it, but I'm just not feeling it. And then I went on and I said, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. Because I want to be surrendered to you. And through the whole day, I kind of had a day like that. And in preparation for this morning, it's important to me that I not just get up here and rattle off data and information, but that we encounter him that I'm experiencing him in this, where this is living for all of us. And so last night, I just decided, I'm just gonna get up early. And I usually get up early, but but I just got up extra early this morning. And I went back and found this lengthy prayer that Young Cho wrote of the progression through the tabernacle, where he goes through each stage of the tabernacle praying a specific thing. Usually takes me about 45 minutes to pray through that. And I just walked through my house while everybody was asleep with the lights off. And I just began to declare my thanksgiving to the Lord that when I come to the gates, that he's the gate through which we have entrance. That we come in and we find this brazen altar where the sacrifices were made to let us know that one day Jesus would come and he would be the sacrifice that we would then go to the labor. And the laver is then where we wash the blood off of our lives. We tend to want to go to the laver first because we try to clean ourselves up to come to Christ, but that's not the way it works. You first come to the sacrifice of Christ, and then you go to the laver. And then from the laver, then you step in to the holy place, do the progression of three things, and then into the most holy place. And as I walked through that progression this morning, I found myself standing in a reality of the presence of God that I didn't have earlier in the week. And I was so deeply grateful. Right there in my house, I was just praying over Tracy and Faith and Lexi and covering my household and asking God just to speak to our hearts today and just saying, Lord, we need a fresh breath of God to blow. Would you just receive that right now in your own heart, in your own life? Sometimes you've just got to dig a little deeper. When it feels like it's a drought, maybe it's because God has purposed to withhold rain so that your roots will go deeper into the soil to prepare you for a storm that's coming in the season ahead that you know not of. Keep digging deeper. Keep pressing in. But it all begins. It all begins at the cross of Jesus Christ. So come on, let's go there first, every one of us. Lord, we stand at the cross together with the understanding 
that this world is a dark and lost place and that you are the hope for humanity, that you came, you lived, and you died, but you are alive, you're risen from the grave. And it is your life that awakens life within us when we're willing to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Come on, if that's your declaration, would you say that out loud? Say it, amen. Jesus, you are Lord. For some of us, this is the first moment maybe that we've acknowledged the Lordship of Christ. For others, we've been acknowledging and growing in this for years. Lord, we just, every one of us want to take a step forward and grow deeper. We want to know more of what you have in store. I pray this week, Lord, over our times of prayer that different people at different times maybe get up a little extra early and pray through various psalms or different prayers that they'll find, the apostolic prayers in Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, whatever it may be. Lord, help us just to go a little deeper this week in a sacrificial way to encounter God in a way that awakens more within us than perhaps we even knew existed. But from the foundation of the world, you prepared us for a time such as this. We are light in the darkness. We're not merely reflectors of your light. We're carriers of the very light of Christ. We thank you, Lord. Where we go, we carry the presence of God. Where we go, the fragrance of God is released. Our steps are bathed with butter. The residual of your kingdom remains. What a powerful reality of who you've designed us to be. Help us to understand it, Lord, to walk in that. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. So part of our family assignment each week is just to step into a place of worship. And that way we're able to take what God stirred within us. Have you encountered the Lord this morning? That's the goal. You've encountered Him, not inspired by a teaching or encouraged by a song, but you've encountered the Lord. I want to just ask you, will you take the encounter that you have now as a result of our gathering and just give it back to him in just a place of worship. It'll just be two, three minutes, probably. And as we worship the Lord, you're giving that back to him, and then someone will come and close. And I want to challenge you, if you are taking a step forward in your faith, in your relationship with the Lord, then let us know that so that we can connect with you. You can fill out a connect card. We'll tell you more about this at the end when we are dismissed. The connect cards in the seat back or you can text destiny to the number that'll show up on your screen but we want to connect with you if you're ready listen this is not just about being right with God how many of you know God has a family and this is about coming together as a family when you sense the Lord's direction to identify with a church family then that's part of your journey with God and if you're not engaged, you're uninvolved, and you're disconnected from the church family, then we're going to be doing a welcome to the family very soon, and we want to talk to you about what that looks like. We'll have a personal meeting with one of our pastors, but you've got to let us know that you have an interest so we can have a conversation and explain what that all looks like for us. So again, fill out a Connect card if you're interested in that. We just say, Lord, we love you. We want to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, we know that your design is that we grow in our relationship with each other. It is not good for man to be alone. 
so here we are gathered together in worship none of us have this figured out we're all just on a journey trying to find our way but it's the name of Jesus that we declare everywhere we go awakening our lives in Jesus mighty name